be go away. Yeah, give us about 20 seconds. This should run now because Bob's doing it. It should be flawless. Yeah, it's gonna be perfect. Look, you know what's interesting though? The 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 video feeds aren't you know randomly resizing themselves. We'll see. Bob, Bob, you're a legend. How did you? How are you mitigating that? Because I have a, an adult internet connection and not a shitty 486 oh. computer. I love, I love how Nick has removed my website <laughs> from the retro roundtable. It's just HD Retrovision and DV Electronics. It's there's no Bob or Voltard anymore. I don't know how that happened. I don't know. I never touched that. But... All right. All right. Who cares? Why are we here? Yeah. We're supposed to talk about something. <laughs> yeah. Damn said you got to mute Voltar. <laughs> He's right. You got to do that immediately. All right. So uh, welcome to the retro roundtable <laughs> again. <laughs> again. Uh, yeah. So uh, what's everyone been up to? How's how's things going? It's been a while since we did this. I think you should start, Nick. Oh sure. Um, I had two things I wanted to talk about today. Okay. Um, Shit. One was, uh, I just, more than anything, wanted to promote uh, the, the stuff that Artemio had been working on for anyone for some reason doesn't know about it. The uh, MD Fourier suite. Hell yeah. Yes. Which um, has some of the best documentation I've seen in this, well, Probably be definitely the best documentation <laughs> that I've seen in this space of, uh, you know, retro console stuff. Um, it was a really interesting read. I've read it over a few times. Um, I mean, it's... I, to me, it seems like everything's being done the correct way. Like, it's, uh, you know, looking at a signal in kind of short increments, analyzing the frequency spectrum of it and then you can compare um, you can see what uh, the differences are between a Sega model 2 and a Sega model 1 if if you want um, and it's you know got all the the right signal processing engineering in there like using windowing functions because you don't want to just like hard chop up your signal into to blocks otherwise you get weird things going on so uh, it's a good read if you haven't seen that. Um, I highly recommend it, especially the uh, appendices. Um, have a really cool, cool stuff in there. Um, Can you put a link in the description? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will link to that in the description. I think I can edit that live. Um, and I know, like, what Bob is doing some stuff with capturing and archiving things and um and the obvious i guess application to this whole piece of software is for people to have esoteric arguments on the internet about which one <laughs> objectively sounds better mm -hmm. which i think is um not the most interesting application to me um it's actually if you capture this data you may be able to do interesting things like let's say you have a Sega Model 1 you could design the right filter in a device you know a little set top box 
that modifies the audio to sound closer to a Model 2, I, I think is kind of the more interesting use case, uh, in my opinion. For uh, sure, for sure. Since you know how, like, effectively what filter relates the two by using this software. Um, so yeah, check out that. I'll throw a link in the description if you haven't seen that already. Read the documentation because it's super cool. That's uh, uh, the other thing. Not only that, just oh, yeah, for the ahead. record, not only that, uh, not only is that awesome, but people are already applying it to different applications. Um, I believe Artemio is also working on a PC Engine version to nail that down because there's a few versions of the PC Engine with garbage audio, I guess. Um, but it's it's really? already. Um, it's already something that's going to be picking up and it making a big difference in how people design audio and even emulation. Um, you know, it, people who write software emulators could use this to make sure their stuff's accurate as well. So it's actually pretty awesome. Do you mean simulation and not emulation? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Okay. When you, when you guys say there's like endless applications, it reminds me of the Simpsons of the space mission where they go to uh, learn about how you sort tiny screws in space. And they're like, this can range for everything from watchmaking to watch repair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's super cool. I, that was like something I was looking into last month when we were going to stream, but then decided at the last minute not to. Um, the other thing was Bob sent me this, the M cable to take a look at. Um, so I was I messed around with this a whole bunch and my opinion of it is I cannot find a single application where I would use this thing um, <laughs> I used it on everything from well so the, the one thing to test still is Voltar's um, mm. suggestion of whether it would like correct the SNES um issues that, where it doesn't work on a display but um, other than that like running 240p HDMI out of the OSSC through this thing all the way up to you know fully scaled up on retro content I thought looked really atrocious <laughs> um, how about N64 Nick I mean that seems like to be the biggest contender in terms I, of the application I didn't like it at all I thought it, I thought it sucked um, it's just a big it's like taking a jar of your favorite lube and smearing it all over the screen <clears throat> like Vaseline or whatever. So how would you compare it thing. to like the filter on the retro tank? Cause I actually kind of think that looks okay for N64 and I'm not usually somebody that likes filters. I don't have a tank, so I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I haven't messed around with it. Um, I, I assume the tank is better um, for that purpose. I mean, I, this thing is not meant for retro content, but it was the first thing I wanted to just look at. Um, but yeah, it's just a big, smooth, ugly smoothing filter at those low resolution signals. Don't, I did not like it. And it causes graphical glitches because presumably they're doing some adaptive time based thing. Um, so I get all this like weird flickering around edges of numbers and, and this is not good. I, I also messed with it on the PS4. Mm -hmm. I just thought PS4 natively looked better. Um, so it's a non-linear non filter because then that's how you get those artifacts. Yeah, that's, I, yeah, it's not like just a pure spatial smoothing thing. There, there's something going on time-based. Um, 
I just so genuinely yeah, don't understand what the appeal is. I just really, I really I, don't get it because there are there are definitely things like I only spent a few minutes with it, but I played um, Switch uh, Zelda on it, and there were a few times where I was like, oh, that actually kind of looks good, but there were many more times that I didn't care, and a few times where it glitched out. So why spend one hundred and twenty dollars yeah. for a majority of a time that it doesn't really make a difference? Is it peace of mind? Is it that snake oil where people buy it and suddenly uh, they're healed? They don't have cancer anymore. Yeah, I because, think the cost is, you know, makes people think that it's magical or something. I, I don't know. I The N64 I, case, I was playing with it on uh, Pang Time, and, man, it just did not look... That's, that's, that's all subjective. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where either you like, some people will like it, some people won't. Clearly, I think we're all, for the most part, in the camp of... It really hasn't any business uh, being paired with a retro console. But you do have people like Adam Korlick, who just recently did a review of the Super 64. And in his opinion, one of the biggest design flaws of the Super 64 is that the Switch is inherently set for the slick mode, which is effectively a very similar filter to the one that I'm sure that, that to the filter that the M cable uses. Uh, but that Switch should automatically be on all the time and somebody should have to go out of their way to deliberately turn the smoothing uh, uh, the smoothing setting off that, oh, so, that's his opinion well that's well that's exactly that's what I just said I mean okay you know that's that's exactly yeah, I don't what think I that's said. accurate I, I don't know I think... more, more proof that the opposite of what Adam Carlick says is the right answer <laughs> right well that's my point it's it's very subjective so I don't think we can say that but I can't definitively or objectively say that the end cable shouldn't be used if you like it you like it but isn't the whatever. concept kind of neat though like if you, yeah. you applied it in the correct manner where it's like okay different tvs perform scaling differently wouldn't it be nice if we implemented a decent upscaling filter within this cable such that it's consistent sure so you at least have like a baseline that you could use all around different TVs like let, let's say you've been using like an LG for years and it breaks you go to Costco get a new one and you get some uh, another TV that's on sale and it's like man my PlayStation 4 looks like ass on this compared to my LG when you could just move your M cable over if it was implemented in a way where it was not this smearing type of deal right. and it was just a normal scaling filter well it's just a way to standardize that so any tv you take it to you don't have to worry about whatever scaling algorithm that tv that, uses being shit that you seems have more it. useful yeah it's an equalizer it would be an equalizer and that's i agree with you i think that would be wonderful it's just not what it is i though. agree and i also agree that it's subjective but i i mean maybe i just needed to spend hours and hours playing it but it was significantly doing nothing more than anything else so i just 120 dollars for something that does nothing more than something I, that's what really blew my mind on it but maybe i'm playing the wrong yeah, games maybe you, the switch isn't the right thing to use it with i, I don't know i i would I, I need to spend more time with it um like actually playing why don't you just play the effing game uh, well that is a faster than hdmi cable i was using it yeah okay, okay. <laughs> I was using Jesus. it on um, Rocket League, which you know has a fair amount of textures, and I don't know, it just it, the backgrounds I could tell were overly smooth. So like, if you look in, in the the deep background uh, of the scene where you can see just Rocket League plastered 
all around the border of the arena with the cable, with the M cable, just it smoothed it out so you couldn't read it anymore. And I could actually still read it uh, through normal HDMI cable. So um, may, maybe there are cases where it looks a little bit better, but every I was skeptical of this thing from the beginning, to be honest, because everything I saw online where people were posting their comparisons and saying how much better this thing was, I, I just I never saw it. A lot of times it all looked like it was more bright and washed out and the contrast got screwed up. And I was like, you, why do people think that looks better? Um, you, do you think I, if a normal HDMI cable is 20 bucks and this was 30 bucks that that would not happen? That the, probably, the phrase yeah. would not happen? Yeah, if there wasn't the discrepancy? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think what it might be, I think I think a component to this, or the appeal to the M cable, is that you have people out there, more so in the PC gaming world, who may have uh, PC gaming hardware that's a little older and maybe a little inferior and not exactly up to spec, and maybe that they they are having to, in order to play some of these newer titles, they're having to turn off certain anti-aliasing and post-processing effects on their video card just to be able to play it. And they're like, gee, you know, this really looks like crap. I got all these all these aliasing artifacts and jackets, mm -hmm. but I can't afford a four hundred dollar graphics card. But man, this cable's only a hundred hundred and ten bucks. And if I if I pair that with my monitor here, that might save me from having to buy new graphics cards. So I can still I can reap the benefits of having that performance with these features turned off, but I can still get sort of those features if I just use this cable. Agreed. I think yeah, that that's... might be a that's not a bad point. I hadn't thought about that case. Is their marketing like push that type of angle? Or no, yeah, their their marketing is really geared at the consoles, though. Like, oh, okay, oh, really? Well, it's just a, I don't know. See, I just I don't know, boys. You know, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I'm not familiar with any of. Their... There is a um, you know another one that's the the film edition or cinema edition, which I would like to try out. I th think that's more likely to be something that could have its applications for you know 480p dvd content might be cool to check that out i don't know um, that's something that i would really since... like a good filter for actually 480i dvd content that's that's really the the thing that i would love to see some kind of great crt filters or film filters or something where you could where just it's not so harsh on a really nice oled tv you know yeah and if you're building a cinema edition presumably lag it, you know, doesn't factor in, right? right. So you could just All take the an extra second to do some more interesting stuff than trying to push it as fast as possible. But anyway, that's that's what I I've agree. been doing. I agree with I agree with Steve. I think it's a I think the the concept is novel, and I think it's a pretty good idea. But only I wouldn't like, spend 120 bucks. Out. Hell no. But I wouldn't spend 100 for not for what it does. Not for what it does. Absolutely not. But if it was forty, oh. hell yeah, sure. Have it, maybe sixty. Yeah, maybe sixty. Try it. See if you like it. You know, whatever. Cool. So who wants to go next, uh, Bob? No, I'm not. I'm only one drink down. I, I'm. I'm going to talk okay. about something a bit <laughs> controversial. So I want to. I want to make sure I don't let hold me back. go first. Well, let me go next because I'm going to be really fast because I don't have any really thing cool to say other than um, over the past uh, maybe two months. Maybe three months. I've really uh, gotten into 3D printing. Um, it's a fascinating thing that I've uh, been attempting to learn. I've had a 3D printer for maybe a year, maybe two years now, but it's just sat on the desk. 
Uh, it's a, I had a, it's, it's given me nothing but trouble. Uh, and so it forced me to really intimately learn the mechanics and all of the jargons of the 3D printing. And I have, um, I have really gotten into it. And I, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm 3D printing like a lot of silly doodads and, 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 and like little 3D printed boats and things like that, but I'm just really fascinated with the process of 3D printing. And so that's what I've been playing with. Um, I have been learning to do things. I, I can I know how I, I'm a 3D modeler. I know how to do that. I've known how to do that for probably 15 years. So it's kind of it's not a big deal for me to take those skills and sort of migrate into making um, making th uh, models that are 3D printable. Um, so I, I'm doing that a little bit, but that's really what I've just been doing for the past two or three months is the work that I'm always doing and uh, staying very busy. But messing with 3D printing, it's pretty cool. I've got yeah, a bunch I, of them now. I remember when you started posting about that on Twitter, you were having some setup issues or like, what was the deal? Can you go into? Oh, like... sure. Um, so the, the issue that I had for the longest time was uh, the first printer that I bought a couple of years ago was a Creality Ender 3. It's a phenomenal printer for the cost. It was only like $180 when I bought it. But the problem that I had was that the print bed, um, it, it had a lot of dips. It's, it's, it wasn't perfectly flat, plumb, and level. Uh, there were a lot of valleys in the aluminum. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're 3D printing, you got to be fairly precise uh, with, with your uh, printing substrate. So when I would print something or I tried to print something, the print wouldn't adhere properly to the bed because the nozzle, when, when the nozzle would go over one of those dips in the bed, the nozzle would be too far away from the bed, from the, from mm -hmm. the uh, bed surface. So the print would mess up, and then it would go all over the place, and it would look like spaghetti string. So I really had to, I really had to learn how to set that thing up and how to look for problems like that and how to fix those problems because a lot of people give the Creality brand a lot of flack, and rightfully so. It's not something that I would necessarily recommend. That, that, that line of printers and that brand of printers isn't something that I would recommend if you want something that you can absolutely take home, hook it up, and start printing within 30 minutes. It's something that you're probably going to have to work with. So if you want something like that, you probably do want to look at something really expensive like a Prusa, for example. So, but I was, I was so glad. I'm so glad I bought that cheap-ass printer because it really – it really informed me on how to do all of this stuff right and how to and it just it it forced and required me to become intimately knowledgeable um, about the hardware so yeah but I mean you know that's that's what I've been doing I've been really doing a lot of 3d printing I'm going to as a matter of fact uh, hopefully on retro RGB's website there will be a there will be a one-to-one -one scale model of my penis. <laughs> That will be available. Will it come with uh, a magnifying glass? Geez. Will there be pre-orders? <laughs> well, I had to get a new printer that has a 13-inch printing surface. Uh -huh. So, uh, otherwise, if I were to do that on the Ender 3, I would have to do four different prints and then glue them together. <laughs> so, but anyway, do you see yourself I've... using it for anything? Oh, absolutely. Work-related. Work oh my God! You know, it's already, it's already, it's already been instrumental the, the the ideas and the things that i'm coming up with now because i have this tool it's a phenomenal utility like it's opened up i really think i can create a beautiful marriage between sort of the the circuitry that i design and the 3d printed stuff that i can now make i think i can do a lot of really cool stuff that 
a lot of people would like, um, including myself. Like a lot of cool stuff. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be, it's going to be eventually mission critical to a lot of the things that I have in the pipeline. Neo Geo Sega Genesis. Anyways, uh, are you familiar at all with any of the like M- MBS? MBS. More expensive types of 3D printing because this, what everybody uses is the just the additive. FDM. You know, yeah, FDM like. What about like the stuff that's like the powder that like turns into a resin and hardens and it has like you could it's more closer to like an injection molded type of uh, um, result. Are you familiar with any of that stuff? Like well, is that well, coming sure. down in price? Uh, well, what, what you're referring to is uh, a SL, SLA. It's stereolithography, what it is, and it's a it's a means of 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 curing, or you take a resin or a powder and you cure that, and it reacts to some sort of light, UV light, something in the UV spectrum. Um, it is coming down. No, that printing technology has been ridiculously expensive up until maybe four or five months ago. There's been drastic reductions in cost. Um, it's something that I'm looking into. I don't own one, and I've never done any SLA printing, but it's very interesting. And yes, the because of the unique differences between the different technologies, you don't have those layer lines, for example, because it's not an additive process of layering plastic. The problem, though, is with, S- with, with uh, stereolithography is that you're really limited, unless you spend a lot of money, in real estate, in printing real estate size, so relatively small things that I guess maybe are four, maybe six inches square, uh, uh, squared inches in size and dimension, you can pretty much do that stuff really nicely with with an SLA printer. But if you want to do things that are large in volume, God, the price just goes up, man. Like in in the SLA printers that are large enough in size to handle those larger dimension prints, and I'd love to have one, but it's. It's very expensive. It's very expensive. The smaller like, stuff is getting more affordable, but the yeah, larger so it sounds stuff... sounds like it, it's good for stuff that's small and has lots of tiny features that you need the higher precision on. Right. For, for sure. For sure. Smaller stuff, it's great. Bigger stuff, it's great if you can afford it, but like you're talking thousands of dollars. Okay. And I don't know a lot. I'm very, I'm very ill knowledgeable when it comes to 3D printing. I'm a very big noob. Uh, if, if, if Rene were here, he would tell you everything probably you'd ever want to know about it. But that's that's just from my experience and my understanding. Oh, oh, sorry. Ooh. Yeah, I Maybe. that Rene's not here. Yeah, it's, I'm really sorry about that, guys. I was going to tell you he's on a hiatus. Um, he may be back in the fall. I hope he is. Yeah, a happy hiatus. Yeah, he, not like a bad thing. He's yeah, not well, like no. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just he's enjoying his family. Mm-hmm. He's having a good time. Well, he's just wanting to you know do fun stuff while the weather's still warm because as we all know, Canada has eleven months of cold. <laughs> well, part 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 of the problem was like the that one stream we did with the Sven Co-op. He was called in the night before to do work the next day, and he couldn't make it. And then we were scheduling like another stream afterward, and. He agreed to a date, and then again, this time family-related, he had to cancel. And he's like, "I don't want to keep canceling and screwing up your guys' shit." So, I have really busy this summer, so I'm gonna just hang out with the family and then come back in the fall and we do stuff again. 
I'm yep. kind of disappointed we decided to go with the truth on episode one. Like when Bob left, we just kept saying he was dead or he had betrayed that us. Was or... awesome. <laughs> he betrayed that was awesome. That was genuinely awesome. Dead. Put a, a huge smile on my face every time I listened to Nerdy Guys shit on me. Not being sarcastic, honestly. That was fucking awesome. It was that was one of the best skits was the uh, the pictures. <laughs> oh, oh, I love I love that. Sometimes I just pull that up and watch that. The, the will Bob be in this episode series? Yeah, and then back? the random phone call too. That was funny. That was really good. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. I remember that. Poor Bob, stupid bastard. All right, you're up, Steve. All right, Steve, what been up to? Oh, okay, Steve. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's get bored. Uh, this, this, <laughs> I'm all ready for that. I can, I can manage that. That's one thing I could get done. Uh, so uh, this kind of ties into your 3D modeling stuff. Like a long time ago, this was like in 2015. I bought a uh, software. It was called Cubify Design, and it was meant to work with the cube the cube uh, type of 3d printer i forgot what it's called maybe it was called cubify i don't know mm-hmm. and I think so and so cubify design was actually uh they bought the rights to something called the libre which is a parametric 3d modeling software that kind of was big a while back and was the main like the main competitor with like solidworks and i guess like the, the ip got passed around all these places and then Cubify ended up having it, and say they released Cubify Design as a parametric modeling software for 200 bucks lifetime license, and we bought that, and uh, it's really nice, and I like it a lot. But the problem is, you could only export to an STL. You could it because it's meant for designing your stuff in 3D printing, and, and I'm working. Recently, I've been working on like test fixtures and stuff like this, which I used to outsource to people using SolidWorks. But the problem is I want to be able to, if I have to change something little, I don't have to want to track down the guy who did it before and have them tr- like just change a little thing. I kind of want something in-house that we can use. So uh, my friend has been talking up Fusion 360 from Autodesk a lot. And so I downloaded the trial and it it was actually pretty cool you could do a lot of things with it and you could export to step files you could export to all sorts of different files and so you can move your stuff around it's not locked into this thing which was the problem i had before and so i was doing the trial and then like halfway through the trial i they have like a six-year anniversary 50 percent off so damn ended up getting the uh the year subscription and so the nice thing about the fusion 360 is they have an eagle integration so you're designing your circuit board in, in eagle and you can push it to, to fusion 360 and it'll generate the 3d model for you of the circuit board and then you could start changing like some of the bigger parts and the connectors and then you could design oh, shit. enclosures and stuff around it and so that yeah that's kind of what damn. i wanted to talk about is like these tools that i uh, this new tool that I've been using is that Fusion 360. And so if you use Eagle a lot, I think it's a cool thing. But the uh, 50% off just expired, like, yesterday. God damn uh, it. How much was it, Steve, with the 50% off? It's it's So it's a yearly thing. Everything like Autodesk now is now 
you know, the stupid subscription type of model, but what you get for it, uh, it's 500 bucks a year, but the 50% off was 250 a year. Uh, so I already have a subscription to Eagle. It's like what, 100, 150 bucks a year. And so now I got like a full fledged PCB and 3D modeling stuff. And you, if you push the Fusion 360 and you make a change in Fusion 360, it reflects back in Eagle. So it's kind of like linked. So you don't have to keep like exporting and re-uploading and stuff like that. So it's kind is of it neat. browser based, Steve? That's a good question. So Fusion 360, the, the the one the reason why I started the trial was my friend who talks it up a lot was uh he was redoing like a floor plan of the hackerspace electronics area because they're trying to get funding to redo the electronics area, get a pick and place machine and everything. And I was on like this like mini committee of you know just giving feedback and he sent everybody a link a fusion 360 link and i clicked on it and then it opens up in the browser and i have full like rotation and panning and zooming in and measuring within the browser so the whole point of fusion 360 it's like a cloud it's a cloud-based thing that tries to get you can share with your team and they don't need the desktop software installed they can do a lot of stuff via the web so cool. you can get so like he sent stuff to us and i could write comments on stuff and draw arrows to things and then he would get that and he could make changes if he wanted to and make new revisions uh, but yeah that's well, that's one of the tools i got the other tool i finally got this microscope uh installed so i'm just gonna pan over here um so there is this uh, articulating arm that's mounted uh, to this table. And so I could push this this thing out of the way when I'm not using it. I was just looking at a circuit board earlier. That's awesome. And, and so, so the problem I had besides I had to modify the table um, to get this thing to mount, uh, when everything was all set in place, I could only get the thing to focus when the microscope was like uh, like only two inches from the table. And so you could barely get tweezers down there. And so I did some research on optics. <laughs> and apparently there's something called a Barlow lens. And what that does is it, um, it changes your relationship between working distance and, uh, and zoom strength. So I agree. I got a Barlow lens at 0.5, which increased my working distance times two, but then my max zoom got half. So I that, see. But I already have an insane zoom on that microscope that the zoom that it had at 1x was insane. So I didn't even need that. So going to uh, 0.5 like really gave me a lot of nice distance here. And then I also bought a 0.3 which I, I might try out and I might change out if I need to. But um, yeah, this was, I've been wanting to get the microscope in here for a, a year now and finally got that. It was a pain uh, getting everything set up, but one, now it's there and I just used it today to look at something important under the scope. So yep That's just awesome. some new tools just some new tools one software one hardware so i would love i would absolutely love the space for a microscope 
That, that just, you know, and Zach jokes about being pussies because, you know, you need a microscope to see, but it's just the, it's not just that. It's just the ease of things. It's just being able to look down and being able yeah. to see everything without squinting your eye and I don't know. So I'm going to push this out of the way. Um, and then I'm going to show the camera again. Uh, oh, wait, it's swinging back. <laughs> And then, oh, it's swinging back. And I got in because I have to lock it. But, but I, I can move it out of the way. Like I, I normally push it a different way to the back wall, um, and then I have all that space again. So, um, they normally don't come with articulating arms. If you do it like this, you gotta, and you want a specific microscope, you might have to buy everything piecemeal, which is what I ended up doing. Cool. I like it. I think assisted optics are great, especially when you get down to things like 0402 and smaller. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to use something, clearly, especially if you're doing any sort of inspection. But fortunately for me, I have a 2010 vision, so I'm not There we go. Bob, do you see that, how it's like all the way in the back? Yeah, I love you know? it. That's really nice. Let's see. I really like it. It looks good. I do like how it doesn't take up your whole, it doesn't consume your whole table, that you yeah, can I, put it like that. Yeah, I, I don't like the ones that are like on like booms and they're just always Fair. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have enough space for any work. of that stuff. In fact, I'm gonna get a swing arm like that. If this new microphone is voted as a keeper, then I'll probably bolt something to the wall and have something where I could just swing the mic out and never have to unplug it. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be so good, Mike. Uh, what's your name, Bob? Not Mike. Bob. Sorry. Am I up? Yeah, go ahead, Renee. Yeah. Go ahead, Bob. Mike. Renee. Uh, uh, Mike. I guess I get two things, one quick one and not one not so quick, but I, I'm finally biting the bullet and upgrading my PC gear because I'm just, you know, being a, a huge pussy about it because I want to be able to still pay my rent by the end of the year. But I have a desktop that's absolutely perfect for everything except 4K. And then I get a laptop, which I screwed up totally 100% my fault. I bought the one with the wrong graphics card in it that you can't utilize the graphics card for uh, um, for Premiere. So I talked to Epos Vox. I, of course, bothered the shit out of him after, uh, after I sent him some footage and asked for his opinion. And we spec'd out a, a fairly reasonable PC, which I'll get to eventually, but I wanted to do the laptop first, both because it's easier and, you know, whatever. Because at least I could have something to edit 4K on the road. Uh, and I just got an Asus Republic of Gamers with the, you know, one of the ones with like the GTX 2060 or 2070 graphics card in it. And obviously it's an underclocked laptop one. So that's going to be sucking up a bunch of my time in the next, uh, in the next week or so is seeing if this is even worth the upgrade. Cause I got it from Amazon where you could still return it, which is nice. Cause most people won't let you. So I'll be messing with that, and then once I have that finished, then I'll finally upgrade the laptop and, uh, you know, be scared <laughs> that when you hit send or when you hit, like, order on those really expensive purchases, I'm always like, oh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we'll see. But uh, exactly. the bigger thing that I wanted to talk about is something that I, I just don't know the right answer to, and I'd really love to hear all of your opinions. I'd love to hear Renee's, too. Maybe he could write one in or something. But there is an eBay seller that sells BVM and PVMs at a premium. So I guess the short version, a short, short version of the story is the guy 
got some money together, and then went and bought tons of these monitors in pretty much any condition, and then put them all in a warehouse, and then he sells them on eBay. The problem is, so I and you know, resellers help everybody, whether we like to admit it or not. We all like would love to stumble into a you know into a, a yard sale and find a BVM for a dollar, but. The reality is resellers is how most of us can get these things and they have to pay their rent. They have to have extra money in all these because you got to be able to have an extra money for when something goes wrong. Like I get it. I a hundred percent support resellers, but this repu this guy's reputation has gone down the tubes. Uh, and I just, somebody, con somebody that I trust contacted me and just, I mean like a 10 page text message about what this guy's been doing and stuff. And, you know, without without direct experience, I didn't want to say anything. So then I bought a monitor from him, um, and it arrived, and it was it was broken. It didn't have didn't have the in the box <laughs> what it said it was going to come with. And uh, on top of that, I was able to try to fix it out of parts from other ones, and then it had a completely different issue. So then, and he knows who I am. You know, um, I, I got his number a while back. Legitimately, I didn't like just look him up and steal his number or anything. Like we were introduced. Um, and I didn't go there. I didn't text him. I went through eBay politely, you know, and just said, hey, there's a problem. And he did. He shipped me another one and uh, the missing part out immediately. So that's, you know, that's cool. And then that one showed up and didn't work. So I'm asking questions, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. So, like, if you're going to sell this stuff, you need at least need to be, like, sort of, kind of knowledgeable a little bit about the product so i spent hours and it was a weird thing i'm not gonna lie you gotta go into the service menu change one setting and then press buttons in the right order that don't make sense to me at all and i've been using bvms for like five years now but it's absolutely it's repeatable you could do this on any monitor that has this issue i'll make a little video of it if anybody has this problem and i was out in uh la visiting my brother and doing some work stuff and I, I reached out to this guy, and I really wanted to extend the olive branch and just be like, look, I would love to, you know, I was trying to meet him in person and just say, look, first of all, I could probably sell 10 of those monitors today for you. <laughs> Let me just look at him in person first. You know, second, you know, I want to, I just want to try to reach out and help. And I got blown off one after the other. Sometimes it just <laughs> wasn't, sometimes he just didn't respond to my texts. Once he said something like, ah, people hate resellers, so I don't want to be on camera. And I was like, well, look, man, I'm all, all the way on the West Coast. Let me just swing by your warehouse, see what you got. Maybe I could buy a couple. Nothing. Not only that, a few people have bought monitors off of them in the past few weeks. And the ones that say, uh, I, you know, I, I heard, you know, I heard of you from Retro RGB, or I got your link. He ignores <laughs> that stuff wasn't shipped out for like six days. <laughs> it's like, all right, maybe he's on vacation, but that's a little bit of a coincidence right there. And I just, uh, there's there's two people I know like this. One with a terrible reputation. One who sells good stuff that's just overpriced. Not ridiculous, not five grand for a PVM. But the one that bugs me is the one that, and I have, hear so many stories about people getting monitors from this person. And the experience is mixed because it's actually shipped properly. So that's a bonus right away. But it's always the same thing. It doesn't work right. It's not as advertised. It doesn't look like the picture because it's never the one in the picture. He just uses one picture for everything. And I just don't know what to do. Because, you know, on the one hand, anybody could sell anything for any price. There's nothing illegal about that. Maybe it's morally right or wrong, but, I, you know, whatever. 
But, you know, what What do we as nerds who love this stuff do in a situation like this? Nothing? Because we can't? Seems like you need to name his... Seems like you need to name your... Doesn't matter, because he already changed his eBay name once. He changed his PayPal name twice. <laughs> so it doesn't even matter. Yeah, but okay, but, but you have to consider the fact how many people in volume are selling and distributing PVMs and BVMs. It's not going to take a rocket scientist for somebody with deductive reasoning to establish that, well, maybe maybe this person is the same person, oh, I don't know, that's had the same goddamn warehouse full of BVMs on eBay for the past two or three that's years. Fine. That's, that's fine if you do. figure it out yourself. Figure it out. What? <laughs> that, what? That, that's, that's the problem I think Bob is trying to address is that people who shop on eBay, they... They're they're not the uh, the smartest tool in the shed. You know they're. Well, you know I played the fucking they, game. They uh, they get taken advantage of pretty easily. And sure. Is it our responsibility to so, to help their naiveness? I don't I don't know. I, I'm a little confused. Is it just that he's not testing these things ahead of time, or are these things actually getting damaged in shipping? The, like, the ones I got, there's them? no way in hell that the ones that I got were tested. It's impossible. When you turn, because the the smaller monitors make the louder noises. I know that doesn't seem to make sense, but if you send weird sync to like a D32, you'll just hear like ping, ping, ping. But if you send weird sync to a nine inch BVM, it sounds like it's gonna fucking explode. And when I turn that, is it possible? Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Oh, sorry. Is it possible he only tests just like one composite input, and so oh, it works? Well, these don't come with these don't come with cards, and he he advertises them as okay. RGB retro gaming monitors. Okay. So if if the so, if okay. the listing said this is for HD use only or untested, then I would be an asshole for even bringing this up. But if it's sold it in the be. context, like with a picture of Sonic the Hedgehog, like if it's sold in the context of hey, here's a great way to pull your Genesis, and your Genesis doesn't work, I mean it's definitely untested, de without a shadow of a doubt. And there's been there's been more stories, but I don't want to repeat hearsay because. I don't trust most people. Sorry, no offense, but like, there's just there's it's more than me. It's so more than so much more than me talking about this is why I feel comfortable talking about this because it's not going to come back as Bob had a bad experience and blew it up online. It's like there's so many people with stories about this seller, and I just I really you know if I showed if he had let me go over there and if I'd showed up in person and he was a dick, I'd have been like you know what man, why don't I introduce you to some other resellers that'll buy buy this off you and do it and sell it correctly you won't make a thousand dollars a monitor like you are now but you'll make a good chunk of cash and move on to selling gay porn which is what he did switch not that i have a problem with porn or gay porn but if you're selling monitors and then your listings it's like bvm bvm giant dick bvm bvm it is a little bit fucking weird so not that there's anything wrong with that <laughs> so i wonder if this just ends up not being that much of an issue and within the next couple of years. I, I kind of see us in this time where, I don't know, for the last several years, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, maybe even some of the slightly newer systems like 64 were kind of the, the peak of popularity, but we're getting we're getting past that wave, right? Like, yeah. we're, we're, that wave is starting to shift to like, where the people with the money to spend on gaming are like they grew up on PlayStation 2. Right. And those right. people don't give a shit about BVMs and PVMs, I suspect. Like not yet. Not yet, and but you're you're missing one super important point in that 
once it passes that retro retro bubble and then gets older, mm-hmm. now it's classic and the prices start to skyrocket. Now it's like a classic car. That's right. That's right. That's why you need to connect collect. Uh, or like a classic Atari. Right because fully refurbished with an RGB kit in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, the monitors more so because your average person with minimal technical skills can rebuild an Atari 2600. You're not even the people that can rebuild a monitor. Most of them are going to sit there for 12 to 20 hours to recap and calibrate a fucking BVM. So that's uh, you know that's absolutely it. And you know Castlevania Ryan asked a question, um, and I mean this seriously. I'm not being sarcastic. He said, "What does Bob see as the possible solutions?" I have no idea. And Castlemania Ryan's a reseller that I respect. <laughs> Maybe you know a solution to this. I have no. That's why I wanted to bring it up here. Because, you know, what What do I do? Do I have to become a bad guy and police eBay and, and put posts about it? I don't want to do that. I don't ever want to, you know, focus my energy on negativity like that. But I see a lot of people buying these monitors for... He had some listed recently for like $4,000 where it's like... Unless that thing, unless every capacitor in that monitor is replaced and it's absolutely calibrated in every possible way and you hand deliver it, there's no way that's worth $4,000. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, if these things, okay, it's going to go one of two ways. You know, maybe just people just stop caring about these things, which is, you know, theory one and who cares anymore. Or theory two, like you said, they're... First of all, they're dying um, and not getting repaired. Uh, and second of all, uh, if they become classic, all of a sudden they become worth a ton of money. I mean, if you're going to spend $8,000 one day to get a 9-inch uh, PVM, maybe don't get it on eBay. You're right, but here's the problem. And here's the biggest problem. If this is the only person around that has them, and you search and you look and everywhere else you go and some assholes selling them for four grand when everybody else was selling these for a grand to two grand two years ago, that's your only choice and now that's the price. So you have somebody driving up the monitor price and not refurbishing them, not doing anything and probably not even testing them. I'm sure for four grand he at least plugs it in, but still. Look, look, this is just the nature of the secondary market. I mean, that's going to happen. I guess. Yeah, I mean, if if it's worth that much money to you, maybe you should drive to the warehouse and test it yourself. That's all I'm saying. If you're going to spend one day, like, then you need to do your amounts of money. Yeah. So you're 100% correct. A $4,000 monitor, I'd drop a grand on a round trip ticket to go across the country and test it. But what about a $1,500 monitor? You're not going to spend the, the price. You're not going to spend man. the price of the monitor on the ticket to check it out. Where if it's bad, you can't. You're not going to walk away from that going, "Well, guess I get to see the ocean. See ya, going back." Like you know. Well, look, 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 look. If you're willing, if you're willing, if you're willing to gamble $1,500 fucking dollars on an auction on eBay and it doesn't go into your favor, it's kind of on you because you just you just gambled $1,500 on some CRT on eBay. I mean, I understand that. Well, you know, there's certain people should be penalized too of course for you know being uh being nefarious or uh, less than uh, honest with their listings but that's one thousand five hundred dollars that you just put down on a monitor that you've never seen in real life you've never had a face-to-face with it's like people who buy cars on the internet and you know they're i'm in kentucky and i bought a car out of north carolina and it shipped to me and god damn it by the time it got when the delivery company dropped it off there's a huge goddamn stretch uh, stretch scratch going down the uh, front quarter panel 
Whose fault I, is I that? I bought a I car mean, off of eBay from Rochester, New York, sight unseen. It showed up mint. Showed up exactly as it, it was advertised. I've bought monitors online before that showed up perfect. So it's not. Uh, it's just right. Then it came out in your favor those times, but not, not every, every time. time. So that I, I think I agree with with Voltar that it's just the risk. This is the inherent risk of buying on a secondary market and online, for that matter. It just it stinks because if enough people complain about this stuff, his eBay account will get shut down. And he'll open up another one and keep selling because, and that's the only part that I actually understand. Because right. if you've dropped a hundred grand on a warehouse of monitors, you can't just go, "Well, I guess this wasn't for me." Like you have a warehouse of monitors, so I, I understand at least that this person's got to make their money back. I just, I tried really hard to help, but I, I just don't understand why somebody would just continue I, yeah. to go down this road like that. I don't know if it's a solvable problem. Mm. I don't think so. I don't think so. So it sucks, but I don't think you you can waste effort trying to fix something that can't get fixed. But in, yeah, but in fairness though, eBay is is frust, frustratingly blind when it comes to always siding with the customer and not the seller. So even if you did get butt fucked on eBay over a, some dumbass who paid two thousand dollars for a monitor that they've never seen IRL. All you really have to do is say, eBay, this guy from his warehouse sold me a monitor and it's not as described. I'm happy to ship it back. You ship it back to him and 99.9% .9 out of the time, eBay is going to blindly and without exception give you the refund back. Do they give you the shipping back? To ship it they back? have to cover shipping costs. Always? Absolutely. Yes. Not yes, always. Shipping is not on your dime. Yes, Bob. If an item is not as described or it's as defective, all you have to do is call eBay and tell them, even if the, even if the ticket in your mailbox says that you have to pay shipping back, all you have to do is call them and you, have to, and you tell them that, and I guarantee you the seller will be responsible for return shipping. I guarantee it. I'll put my penis on the line. It's something I don't have anymore. Anyway. Yeah, the only case is if they had actually listed that item as broken... Right. If they if they can make a case that it was listed defective and no returns, then yeah, it's, it's they're gonna side with the buyer pretty much. So we have a problem that we can't fix. So from a logistic point of view, you're gonna run into a situation where you the only place to get a monitor is online. You're gonna find one. I would say if it's over, definitely without a doubt over two grand, but even over a grand. I think it would be very reasonable for somebody, especially in the age of every single cell phone that's ever been made in the past 10 years as a camera, to say, hey, I really want to buy this monitor. I just want to make sure it's as described. Can you plug in any retro gaming console to it and then just uh, have your phone on record when you turn it on and then just walk across the screen once or twice? I think that's a very reasonable thing to ask that would probably only take five minutes of somebody's time. Don't do it for a $100 monitor. $100 is, is a lot of money, but don't, like, for a $100 hey, monitor, man. whatever, but, like... 20 bucks is 20 bucks. I guess. I, to be perfectly honest, if I were the person selling this, even if I wanted to, even if I lost my conscience and wanted to overcharge everybody, I'd still take a video of every individual monitor just so I wouldn't have to deal with eBay returns. Like, no, you saw the video right there, had a scratch on the side, I zoomed in on the scratch, that's it, site as described. But I think that's a very fair thing to ask. Listen to it, power up, 
even over a cell phone, you'll be able to tell if there's a major problem with it. Those old BVMs, it sounds like somebody hit it in the side with a sledgehammer if they're really bad. So have somebody powered up in front of you and then just pan across back and forth in the screen once or twice, and that's it. I understand everything that you're talking about, and I agree with you, and I sympathize with those people. But what you're talking about and the problems that you're describing are the same problems that people have experienced in the secondary market for used cars for the past 60 years, as is sight-on-scene. There's typically never a warranty on any of that stuff. So I understand it. I wish there was something that we can do. But unfortunately, this is just – you're at the whelm. Or you're at the mercy of the secondary market, uh, the, you know, and, and and what all of that in, that can in, what all of that that it can entail. I don't know. It's a problem, but I don't think it's a problem that's solvable by any. I, I think your best your best bet is informing people of the process that Zach laid out. Because if everybody who gets screwed does that process, then eventually he'll think it's not worth try- being lazy anymore. That's right, because it's going to come out of his But pocket. if he has a few people that are just like, eh, okay, then it'll be worth it for him to keep right. going. That's right. That's exactly right. So That's the only way I think I can think of First and foremost, both of you are 100% correct, but the reason I felt the need to talk about this tonight is you could Google how to buy a car online, and you have 100 different places that give you fairly good tips, and we are the people that will write the tips for other people to go by. So I'm not trying to be self-important, but um, we, you know we do need to kind of step up. Maybe I'll write that as a post just so it's Googleable, yeah. like tips for buying RGV monitors online or something like that. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Did you, did you just say so it's Googleable? Yeah. Googleable. Okay. That's cool. No, yeah. that's cool, Dude, man. We're using we're using all homegrown all the- words on this. Podcast. Uh, Aaron Marks I, asked, I, asked, 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 asked me, what are your thoughts on the fact that this seller lives next to Savon Pat and that you could just have Pat look at the monitor for you? Well, my first thought is Pat's like 80 years old and I don't want to bother this guy every single time a shitty seller doesn't know how to sell a monitor. That is 90% of my thought on that. Uh, the other part of that is that this seller words things in a way where if you read it and you just read it slowly, it very clearly does say that he could have Pat work on the monitor for you. But if you read it quickly, it, you know, he's from Huntington Beach. He mentions Pat. It almost gives you the subconscious sense that Pat has something to do with this. So that yeah. that's what I don't it's like. It's conspiratorial, isn't it? it? I, 100%. It's definitely on purpose. There's no way that wasn't on purpose. And once again, it's worded, it's worded correct. But if you read it quick, you do get the wrong impression on that. So... Okay, if, if these people know who Pat is, then they're looking at your website. Most so, likely. Most so likely. you need, because I have no idea who Pat is. Pat, the BVM yeah, tech. Like, that's not, yeah, yeah, no. no oh, I, right, I, right. From inferred, Sorry, yeah. Infernit inference, yeah, that's what I think. But, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, if, they, if they know who he is, then they're going to read your tips on buying BVMs. So I say go for it. Okay. I don't know. I just always feel bad because I've heard so many wonderful stories over the years of people finding the monitor of their dreams and they love it and then they rebuild it and calibrate it. Now it's, you know, somebody told me a story about they rebuilt it with their like early teen kids and it was like a bonding experience. Now they have a badass monitor to play on. Like I love stories like that. That's the shit I want to hear. I don't want to hear somebody who's 
jacking up prices uh, five thousand percent and then hoarding the best ones until the the prices go up so they could sell them for fifteen grand each. Like, well, you you know, Bob, I can really liken a lot. I can draw a lot of parallels to the dilemma and the problem that you're talking about with this sort of CRT problem that you're having. I draw a lot of parallels to um, uh, pre-modded systems and mod work that's also found on the secondary market. Like it's a lot of it is just comes down to a lot of it. It just really sort of predicates itself on education. Mm -hmm. You might not be able to stop the seller, but maybe you can just be informative enough to the people who would be interested in buying this stuff that they have tools to make their own choices and to make their own decisions if whether or not what they're getting ready to invest $1,500 in is, is worthy or worthwhile. And or you not. made so a huge difference man. in that. You yourself, both on this podcast and yourself, made a big difference. And now any modder worth of shit on eBay posts pictures of that individual mod inside and out right there on the listing. And I think that was a, a giant part of you calling these people out and, and once again explaining the difference between a good and a bad mod. Just well, go ahead and 3D print your own Voltar penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's also a little reservoir inside the, uh, in the model for a certain fluid. If you're into that kind of thing. Okay, enough. Okay. Sorry. Before we move on, um, got a shout out to um, iCasho and Castlemania Games, who both became new members. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> to be honest, because I don't use this enough. Uh, and then uh, Zach Walensky tipped us a couple times, and Sega J Charua tipped us five euro dollars, five European bucks. Um, trying to ask a question, and then, but for some reason it wasn't letting him post it in the super chat. And then he wanted me to see the chat, but I didn't see one in the chat either. So. Just go ahead and post um, it, and we'll get to it, my friend. Yeah, you know, put it in the... Um, make it a comment when this video is wrapped up and, and finished, and we'll, uh, we'll either answer it in the comments or, or answer yeah, it. Yeah, sorry about that. In it, and that's why it's... It, it could be it. Yeah, that's possibly it. I don't know. I, I, just, I didn't see it, I, so I can't answer. Uh, but thank you for supporting the, the stream. Uh, what are we talking about... The next. Group topics. What are on the uh, what are the agendas here? What's on the itinerary? Yeah, I wanted to hear uh, this um, this first one that Steve proposed. Okay. Is that the oh, about one you were the, talking about, Steve? Uh, Mark, about Mark the marketing it? stuff? Yeah, I kind of wanted to to lay out like a premise and then kind of shoot it off to you guys. Um, so. Uh, a few weeks ago when we got like our Wii cables all situated I actually spent like uh, probably around a full week generating like plots and stuff like that basically marketing material for that was accurate to actually post on like our Amazon page and you know our resellers and it was very time consuming tedious had to sift through a lot of stuff where it's like yeah this this would make the other thing look bad but it's not really like a use case that people would use so you know kind of like some ethical stuff and i kind of 
you know, here, here's like here's the thing that's I made. Like I had to make this like breakout Wii thing so I could uh, scope probe before. I love shit like that. Uh, like at the console and then and then at the end of the cable, and that's how you get like a cable distortion. Right. See, like at the start of the transmission and at the end of the transmission. So yeah, I'm like spending a lot of like engineering stuff, like making all this equipment and uh, getting the right test set up and everything like that. And I was kind of thinking to myself, is the reason why people post bogus like marketing stuff because, not because they're necessarily nefarious, but that they're just, they know it takes a long time to get accurate stuff. Or is it that, that they purposely exaggerate because they want to make everything seem better than it is? Or is it just like, uh, I think it's gonna look like this. So I'm just gonna post this, so I don't have to waste time making stuff like this and like getting stuff all correct. I was just wondering what your guys' thoughts on. Well, doesn't the current market sort of doesn't doesn't the sort of landscape of the current market of these devices sort of tell you, by consensus, how these companies are really operating? I don't think they care about the hard work or the engineering. I think they care about the revenue streams and the shortcuts that get them there. Isn't that right, Ryan? No, kidding, 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 I mean, kidding, kidding, kidding. Jesus, Bob. We're not even, you're not even drunk yet. <laughs> kidding, dude, kidding. I'm not sure. I mean, my, I, I tend, I've said this before. I tend to lean towards the famous quote where you shouldn't attribute things to malice. What could be explained by ignorance that like in a lot of cases, People may just not know the correct way to develop a little thing like that where you measure signals at you know the beginning at the end where it's just it's not that they're intentionally trying to be misleading. It's just they're not exactly sure how, like what the right way to show something is. So they take their stab at it and it seems good and it may come off to someone who's really into this stuff as intentionally being misleading but i don't think it's a matter of them being i don't think it's a, the interpret i don't think it's a matter of them being misleading i think it's just it's the fact that it's more or less being careless i don't think they care i and i really believe that i think by majority they don't care to take the time more often than not than not to do things properly i mean i don't mean to name drop companies and i probably won't but there is a there is a company that is deeply seated within the retro gaming community, and they have created nothing but a succession of succession of terrible cloned consoles and cloned console accessories. Yeah, now, so let's talk about Hypergin. I will gladly name Hypergin because I don't like them at all. I just don't think they make good stuff um, now you can't say that now you can't say that blanketly now why well, they, they make good controllers i'll give the give you that um but yeah I, I, in their case i mean think about what they're going for they're, they're just trying to get the the high volume cheap sale as many times as possible i i don't think there's many people going on amazon picking up a you know 25 dollar Sega Genesis HDMI Hyperkin cable that really care about the plots. They're not going to click on the pictures and, oh, look, yeah, it looks like it loses detail on the edge of the sharp transitions. Like, they're not doing that. They don't care. They're, they go to Amazon, they say, 
I want to hook up my Sega Genesis to my HDTV and it doesn't have these stupid analog input inputs anymore. And here's a thing that solves it and by cable. So what, what would hyper can even achieve by creating marketing, spending a week, you know, some engineer's time creating marketing materials, they will get zero lift from that in That's terms right. of sales. And more importantly, right. if they created marketing materials that showcased how one product worked well, wouldn't they also have to create those materials for all their products? And then you'd have things like, you know, it'd be a poor showing, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> like the, uh, like the thermographic 16 with no thing with no capacitors in it, or there's like, that's just scraping the bottom of the barrel for the junk that they put out sometimes. But you also notice like when we put comparisons up, like for the Wii cables, we're comparing them to the OEM cables and the rocket fish cables, which are really good quality cables. We're not trying to get around it by only comparing to stupid $3 piece of crap wire thing. Um, if, you know, somebody making one of these cheap low end products was to do one of these comparisons, you, the best they're going to do is compare to like composite video, for example, they're That's not right. going to be able to go through the litany of other solutions. They'll say that, you know, we're just trying to be the middle of the road option, but push comes to shove. If they were going to make marketing materials, they are going to leave out anything in the more expensive, higher quality area. And they're just going to show it's like when limited run posted those pictures initially, oh, they were disastrous. all composite video comparisons look how much better this is oh, the frame meister of oh, the well, frame meister yeah composite video through the frame meister they're not going to show scart or well, component through frame meister as a comparison go ahead steve well, let me let me pose this to you because back when we first made our like comparison videos where we were comparing against composite it wasn't straightforward we had to make a decision on a couple decisions on the composite video first was do we take a snes one chip and use that as the basis or not because more people would not have a one chip and we made that decision and we may use the non one chip that's a good for comparisons that's second good. second was i was struggling with this for a while where we were getting on our Genesis comparisons were comparing against composite video. The composite video was weak. So do I correct it to make it the same contrast levels or not? I ended up not. I ended up just doing, if I plug the composite into the TV, I'd get this. If I plug the component into the TV, I'd get this. So my question is, do you think that they do this type of analysis at all? Because there's I, room, even on the lower end stuff, like Nick mentioned, there is room for this type of analysis. And do you think they just don't even think about it? I don't think they care to think about it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not worth the engineering time. Well, when you're selling a high volume, low, low margin prod product, right? It's just. In talking, to, uh, in talking to Chris Galizzi that time, what, two years ago, three years ago now, I kind of read between the lines. So this, please understand, I'm not saying that Chris said this. I am interpreting this as 
they test things to make sure that it's not gonna they're not gonna get sued and don't go any farther than that so things like the design's already done yeah but you use the wrong color palette is it gonna hurt somebody's tv no well fuck you i'm not gonna like we're done that's it like just like the you know just like the turbo graphics 16 16 adapter uh we tested it and it's good enough yeah but it's there's no caps you could do some damage is it gonna actually catch fire no well prove it's us fuck you ship it i don't want to spend another three cents an item there there's the also the uh neo geo adapters that they shipped with the Genesis yeah. <laughs> the, the problem with, and this is something that I, I hope our, our, we have 153 people watching right now, but I want to make this very clear to all of you. And we'll look at the camera in a very sexual way. What you have to understand is a lot of the retro products that you see on the market right now by these companies, more often than not, they are created by Chinese manufacturers and Chinese factories. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is a lot of these retro companies, they'll see these large pallets of retro gaming cables, rich HDMI uh, cables, uh, controllers, um, uh, you know, clone systems, the chips that go into the clone systems. And what they're doing is, is these companies are buying these pallets of shit from China, and they're just silk screening their logos on the boxes and on the plastics. So really, all of this technology, for the most part, between most of these third-party shit vendors it's all the same technology from china they're mo- more mo- most often they're not even doing their own engineering because they can't no, and that's what you're buying. right about that i forgot all of my comments aside you're right the majority of the parts that these companies sell are just rebrands they talk to their vendors and they're they're like well what do you have what's the cheapest you can sell it to us for all right we'll sell that for ten dollars you know we're done that's it to go a little bit further, even even the vendors that make the generic product, they just get the first thing they find on like a forum or on Google. They just there's take there's their idea and they spin it. it. That's, That's right. how we got those uh, those uh, Saturn cables with the swapped uh, left and right audio. Just you know, it's a composite or as a video cable that has swapped left and right audio is because the pinout on like Tim's Worthington site was wrong for a decade until I, I actually asked them to correct it and then now everybody makes it right but so yeah that's that's a good point too I, peter I just, brown mentioned that chris galizzi works at polymega now not at hyperkin yeah i'm wondering did he did he quit hyperkin is he just at polymega kind of interested uh, maybe i'll just tweet him. maybe it's guilt Maybe you left for guilt, but you know, it's interesting and I'm not going to get, we're not going to spend, I'll spend 20 seconds reiterating this, but the reason that they don't care to spend the money in engineering and they don't care to spend the money in advertisements is because all they have to do is sink their hooks deep into the YouTube retro gaming community and the YouTube, uh, shut up, Nick, the YouTube channels are the vehicle that propel this, that it's the vehicle in which propels this nonsense across every website across every goddamn store brick and mortar online whatever you want to call it if you have an online presence and you're an influencer and if you say something is great people are going to buy it and that's what perpetuates this they don't have to spend the money they're actually kind of smart well i mean how much margin do you think is on these products anyway if if they're pushing uh let's say a 30 dollar clone nes to a, a retail store 
they got to lower the price, you know, to cover the so the retail store can make a profit, and they got to buy the packaging and you know send out the review unit, like you know, all the stuff that goes into it, the design. I would say the margin is kind of slim at the end of the day, few bucks per unit, right? But you're you're a few bucks per unit. But if you're doing those in volume, those few bucks right. are going to I'm just saying, like, up. Now, now you ask an engineer to spend three five thousand dollars worth of his time on comparison, you know, proper marketing materials, proper comparisons. Yeah. You now have to sell an extra thousand, two thousand units to make to make up. And I don't think that's going no. to. No. You're right. It's a, it's a correct economic calculation. Of course, because the overhead in which to do that is not conducive to your bottom line. It's This is really simple. I mean, it's not. Let me take that back. That's patronizing. This isn't simple. This is actually very convoluted, and it's very difficult. But for, fortunately, I've most of us here have seen this landscape sort of play out over the four or five years. So it's easy for me to at least put the pieces together. But everything I just said, that's exactly what's happening here. So I just – people don't understand that. I think if the more people – the more that people do understand that and then can kind of realize and see what's going on, maybe that will make a difference. And maybe people will understand that this is not just a George Soros <laughs> psyop. I mean this is real. <laughs> well – Okay, Look, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll come spiel, out though. and say it because I'm, I'm already getting used to I'm getting used to being shit on all day, every day, anyway. <laughs> Not just from you, lovely gentlemen. Um, but that's I, some companies base their marketing around exactly what Zach said, and it's I've been saying live in any of my Q and A's when I do these um, these expos and stuff. I've tried to politely say it live, and I'll, I'll just kind of bluntly say it is. Companies just do a bit of research, and they know like, well, this person will shill anything. As long as we just give them one for free this person thinks they have integrity but they're fucking full stupid so all we have to do is just make them feel important and then tell them a bunch of words to make up and now they feel like they're the a genius reviewer and it's very little work in their time and they send it to all these people and that's how all of these products get sold nick i know this is boring to you and i'm being dead serious when i say this this is what people are interested in listening to, and this is what people are interested in talking about. I promise you, this is this well, is something. Well, they could go that... watch like any of our previous ten videos, and then get this exact same conversation. So, hey, man, Steve, <laughs> yeah. Steve raised the question. Steve raised the question. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, but I mean, we're, just, we're getting into you, it. These people keep getting more followers, so you could be as much of a douche as you want, Nick. But it's like that guy that just held up that product the other day let him sell more product whatever i don't know i just i guess that guy that just held up the product the other day talked about it for three minutes took his free thing and left like that guy's getting where i blocked him a while ago i couldn't even stand seeing his face anymore that guy will go right up on twitter and ask for free shit to do just that Hold on, let me we, just say, I, I want to apologize. Hold on, Nick. I just want to say, I do want to apologize to, the, I believe Bob may be referring to uh, Rerez or Shane. Is that who you're referring yeah, to, Bob? Maybe, absolutely. Maybe not. Okay. I would like to apologize. I accused him of being a shill. Turns out he wasn't a shill. It's just his review was very terrible. So I'm sorry for, I do apologize. That guy made no money off of that. He had no sort of endorsement deal and he had no affiliate link. He just made a three-minute, 41-second product review video that was just lacking in everything but 
decency. You're, so you're, you're not a bad person. You're just incompetent. No, well, but maybe, that's the maybe same guy that'll get that used to get right on Twitter. And I think Nick used to like his posts, so they would show up in my feed, which is why I blocked him because I just got annoyed by even seeing them. Because Nick's one of those sadistic fucks that likes to watch people that he hates. Fucking, he would go right up on Twitter and be like, "Hey guys, it looks great. Why don't you send me three of them and maybe I'll do a review?" Like, fuck, fuck you. You're just, you're just yelling. I'm, I'm a shilling for free products. I got a hundred, two hundred thousand followers. Just give me things. Uh, that's anecdotal, Bob. I don't know about that, but all I'm saying is, is he didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to apologize, apologize to him for for saying that. Otherwise, whatever. So there you have it. I'm not apologizing Anyways, for on a goddamn to the next thing. Topic. Well, Bob, that's why. Hey, thanks, John, you. for uh, donating to the app fund. Chicken John. Yeah. Thanks, John. Oh, is that the John with the chicken down the street? Yeah. That always has sells the chicken. Chicken store. It's really good that you talk yes, about. Absolutely. If okay, I yeah. ever have the unfortunate circumstance just, just of going pleasure. of going to New York again, you gotta. <laughs> I want this chicken. It's good chicken. <laughs> have you ever right, choked this chicken, Bob? <laughs> I have not. Let's go to some questions which we owe uh, answering this. Um, There have been people showing on Facebook and Twitter about the VA4 and VA6 Sega RGB bypass, where it shows vertical bars on gray color on the OSSC and 5X. Has anyone seen that? I don't know. I don't know much about it. Is that with a stock VA4 or VA6? Or is he saying this is... Say with the Sega RGB bypass. Oh, I mean... Uh, sure, you're going to get jail bars if unless you do some fixes, and even then, I don't I don't know how you've installed it. I don't know right. the particular condition of your system. There are so many factors there that I can't quantify to be able to tell you anything. So the basic tips on that are: you have to do Voltar's um, capacitor fix uh, between, or it's it's on the two pins underneath the RGB lines on the VDP. Um, you really need to pull power directly from the seven eight hundred five. Um, while I haven't quite seen a huge difference, I do see a difference when you replace the 7805s with the 78S05, the newer one, the more efficient one. Um, it, it's one of those things where, like, each one of these things has a certain percentage of helping it. The capacitor fix act found is uh, is the biggest jump, but all these other little things in it. Make sure you don't have 25 feet of wiring. Make sure you don't pull a wire out of something and glue oh. it down, like that one that was on Twitter that couldn't figure out why he had jail bars. <laughs> like, Can I say something else, Bob? Real yeah. Quick? It's it's very important when you're gonna when you're when you're when you're doing uh, when you're installing those by when you're putting the caps on there across uh, the rails, don't use electrolytics. Electrolytics they don't have the performance that you're really looking for to do the job that you're wanting them to do. Use ceramic capacitors across those i see a lot of people who complain because they're using these electrolytic cans and they don't have the they don't have the performances necessary to really clean that up and to sort of take the edge off properly so what's what's the the fair is on that say it again steve what's the capacitance amount? oh uh 10 microfarads across what, what voltages are across uh i would prefer that if i would prefer people to yeah. use at least 10 yeah, but what what what's the voltage that? Oh, it's a five. Well, it's a it, it's the five volt rail. So it's five volt and ground. Yes. What size cap are you recommending? Uh, twelve oh six. Twelve oh six case size. Yeah. Can you fit a twelve ten on there? 
Um, I you can't on the V6, but you it's it'd be really tied on the VA4 because I tried. Okay. But maybe maybe yeah. you could. I'm just you worried could, about DC it, bias effect because you're not. Yeah, because it's not tank. big enough. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, fuck off. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know, but you know, there was it. It's it's um, it's interesting though that you talk about that. Um, I I, I see a lot of people who who seem to be having some gel bar stuffs. Now look at their installs, Bob, and there's a lot of things that are suspect that <laughs> could lend itself to that gel barge problem, among other problems you might have. And I want to say something. I'm so happy people are using that board, but I gave that board away for free, and I don't support it because it's free. It's out there. Do what you will with it. But please stop asking me for support and getting mad at me and sending me emails when I don't. I'll tell you oh. how to fix things. Oh wait, let me write that down. Stop doing so if that. you buy, for example, though, uh, I know Butt Maxton, a video game perfection, he sells them. And so, if you buy one from Butt, I mean Matt, go to him. Go go to him for support. You don't have to email me. He's he's making the money off of it, which is fine. I'm I want him to do that. I'm glad he's doing that, but he will support it. He will help you. Email and no, they don't. Butts. And no, they. And no, an RGB bypass board does not brick a Sega Genesis console. Yeah, all, all kidding all aside about that, about I think that. That um, was, I, I think it's pretty it's pretty clear that a lot of people could make some money off of these boards, regardless of what that board might be. But they they just they understand what it takes to support a product that you sell, and then just so they say, all right, well here it's open source. You know, I wish I could have made some money off it, but whatever. The whole reason that they're open sourcing that thing is because they don't have the time. to it so if you're taking an open source product i mean sure if you have if you cut a deal with somebody that says you know do you have time to support just me and i'll sell it or i'll give you a buck off every board or whatever else like sure that's different but you don't don't just grab a random open source product and then expect the person who posted it help that's you know well if if i just by myself made one for me and emailed you Maybe you have time to respond. Maybe you don't. Whatever. Sure. But if it's a very if I bought a hundred, and then started sending you daily emails, it's like, ah, right, fuck you, Bob. That's not why I did this. Well, I don't want people to think I'm being snippy, but you just you have to understand my day is very full, and it's very difficult for me to even answer the emails that I do get on a daily basis. And when I get that kind of email traffic asking me the same questions over something that I really don't want to deal with, I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean. I just I really don't have the time. That's yeah, it. and we're Thank not. You. Well, maybe you are. I'm certainly not picking on anybody. I'm just talking in general. In general, talks about, it. you know, if you sell something, stand oh, sure. by it. If you open source it, that's one of the reasons why you might want to open source it is because you don't have time to stand by it. That's right. That's right, Bob. Thank you. What do you guys think VA stands for? A uh, visual uh, anal. Mm. I have no idea. Veterans or, Affairs. Or visceral anal. A good question. Extrems asked if we have uh, noticed the immeasurable quality on the Eon Mark II analog. Guys... Mine is still in the box that they shipped it to me in. It still has the label on it because they were supposed to meet me twice and blew me off. I was going to bring it to the meeting and talk to them about it, so it is still unopened. They blew you off? Twice. Oh, they didn't blow you off. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Why? Well, Whatever. Personal drama. I'm not as pretty as you, apparently. Well, we knew that, but I used the analog on my uh, CRT once I figured out how to get the analog working. Um, it was that whole issue with the default being in progressive mode or whatnot. 
Oh, uh, I remember that. If, if, you, if you guys think that the analog on the Mark II is really good, you should thank My Life in Gaming for that because mm-hmm. they had a lot of behind the scenes work. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But they, it's only good because of them. Did they fix it or something? Was there something wrong? They brought a lot of attention to its problems when it was very close to being released. Oh, cool. Did, so they fixed it, or did they have someone fix it for them? Or just, I didn't even know. They let them know about all the issues, and it was a firmware fix. Oh, okay. So they were able to roll that firmware out before they shipped it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank, Thank you, you uh, Mark and Corey. That was really nice of you. Oh, they hate. They hated working on that video. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm acting like I don't know anything, but yeah, they really fucking hated that video. I'm sorry, guys. They were so glad it was over. Yeah, I should it's say a lot that. of work. Those things, uh, yeah. Like yeah, hour video, and it is holy crap. Those guys put in so much effort. It's just, it's ridiculous. You don't realize how much. I haven't turned on a PC engine. That fucking video came out. I haven't, uh, and I'm just now able to start playing Dreamcast again. I get it. When you spend that many hours on something and shit starts to go wrong, <laughs> you just you don't even want to look at it anymore. You get PTSD, and you gotta wait for time to pass enough before you can deal with that again. I've not looked at the Mark II so much. The Mark One I gave away to uh, a friend of mine, EJ Dash Cancel TV. You know who you are. Um, at a sweepstakes at my house, he came over and visited, and he was traveling abroad from Japan, and so it was a it was a nice giveaway for him. Uh, he came to the house, and I serviced him in every way a man can be serviced. Well, I used it on the CRT. I thought it looked really good. Although, I mean, it's a CRT, so it could hide flaws but i thought it was yeah i mean of course i was using hd retrovision Wii cables for the output so that's probably 99 percent of the reason it was awesome um the, 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 the shilling was discussed last yeah. segment. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see Heilong, Heilong, i don't know how to pronounce uh talk about the genesis six button controller encoder circuits slash adapter options please that's a renee question isn't it yeah yeah unfortunately that is a renee question well all i know is is that the genesis unlike the nes and snes who uses that uses a serialized uh bit shifting register uh the genesis uses a multiplexer and so when certain lines go low and high that's how they multiplex and they can make so many buttons out of so many like three or four different data lines Hmm. so i don't know what you're wanting to know though i mean i can talk about it i know it pretty intimately but to thank iCashio for sending us a hundred ooyus i don't know what that is but he said it's less than three bucks (laughs) But I like OUs, so it sounds like a cool currency. Oh, I'll, oh, Marion. I'll, I'll put that question in the, the in the tracker. So if for when Renee if comes back, Renee day. wants to take it on, he he can. All right, we'll see that in November then. We'll answer that in November. Okay, Steve, come on, Nick. I mean, there's dead air here. We've got a podcast to do. Uh, well, Extremes clarified. He said immeasurable quality. Well, I didn't measure it, so I, it's not immeasurable, but it's unmeasured quality. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to answer this real quick. Uh, 
people were saying the clone, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean, OSSC was lesser PCB quality. I just want to take maybe 20 seconds to sort of recant my findings. A company called Kaiko, I think that's how you pronounce their name, K-A-I-C-O, reached out to me and they sent me their flavor of the OSSC, which is really cool because the only really deferring thing is that they have these beautiful different colored uh, uh, translucent plates you know, that you have with the OSSC. But at any rate, I, I, I thoroughly sort of scrutinized it and, and reviewed it. And as far as the component quality and the PCB quality, it's probably some of the best that I've ever seen of any of the OSC's, OSSC offerings. I mean, it was really good and really tight. The chips did not appear to be counterfeit. They appeared to be the real deal. I worked some passives off the board and did some testing. They were very low-tolerance parts, so that was excellent to see. And the fit and finish, the box, the artwork, even the documentation and manual uh, for that particular vendor, of that, that vendor who's making the OSSC now, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm not sure about the price, really, but as far as it being a clone, um, the quality was immeasurable. The biggest issue with it was their blatant stealing of. Well, I uh, talked to them about that. Documentation, wording. Listen, listen, listen. I talked to them about that, and there are some legitimate criticisms of that, but I don't believe that the documentation that I read, a lot of it appeared to be a reworked rewording of material found on the wiki. On the wiki on the internet at like junker hq okay and so a lot of that was reworked so if the point if, if the if they the still have a logo too well but they've changed the logo they i to my understanding they have changed the logo so that will not be exercised in their documentation anymore but i don't know i, I don't know how this works and i don't want this to go off in a tangent but the wiki is that a protected work, the, 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 the information and data found there? Is that a protected work, uh, meaning that it would, it would, it, it's a, it would be um, wrong for you to the document to take sort of the data there that's found on the wiki and sort of reword it and rework it into a comprehensive manual? Maybe somebody listening knows, but I thought it's the same as like open source where you, you have I, to I credit. I thought that the wikis are based on a license that's very similar to GPL that's meant for documentation. Okay, that's, I'm not... I mean, at least Wikipedia is. Okay, uh, I'm very ignorant to that, so I can't speak on that. But I, I did do some research, and it appears that their documentation, which was a big, big all sorts of fuckery and argument, most of that, or all of that, pretty much stems from the, the, the wiki. And it has been considerably reworded in a lot of in a lot of respects. So I don't know, but the point is, is I don't like the term I don't like the term clone OSSC or I was about OSSC. To, I was yeah. about to say the same thing. Like I was, was waiting yes. for you to finish talking. That <laughs> those like, are the pro premise of this is there's everything is a clone because it's a clone of the repository of the open source project. Like, those are erroneous terms to use, and the OSSC should it's not a proper be proper Git term. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. But this, they're all. They're all. There is no clone. Like they're there, all. There is no different, clone. Made of the same source. And there is no counterfeit. And to be quite honest, if if you didn't want other vendors or other people participating in manufacturing these, 
maybe it shouldn't be called the OSSC and maybe there shouldn't be an open source scan converter period. And that's all I'm going to say because it kind of frustrates me how that's treated in the, in the community. Bob, do you have any words? No, only that we, you know, we kind of hit this hard a few years ago. Years ago. And uh, the short, short version was it, it, it's the opens, it should be three S's. It should be the open source software scan converter where Marcus kind of always took the stance of he'll share it with anybody in the gaming community. He just didn't want the design files floating around because he didn't want all of his research going to some piece of crap, low, you know, bad component slapped together version. And, you know, he was completely aware eventually that would happen. And it did. It seems like there are some people uh, who are selling some shit versions and the company that you demoed was selling a good version. And you know what? Right. It's been years. So now it's, it's enough time for every, for now everybody should have at it. If it's already out there. Screw it. You know? I just, to be honest, I, I wish more people would jump on projects like that and like Marcus's PS2 HTMI stuff, because that's, that is freaking incredible. I talk about it again on tomorrow's podcast, but that's fully open source. So once... Bob, does, does anyone make those? Could I buy one off somebody? They're actually, for the first time ever, in stock at Video Game Perfection, uh, but I oh, okay. don't know if he has all of the adapters. So I really do hope somebody wants everything, because I think the only other person on the planet to have installed them in the CPS-1 is Jose, uh, and he's done all three, CPS-1, 2, and 3. So I think once Jose reports back to Marcus on all the different models he's been working on and, and just gives any feedback, there are the adapters, there's going to be adapter needed for the one, CPS-1, and then the new version of the board works on 2 and 3. I really hope somebody will step up and be willing to make those. Because, you know, maybe I'll talk to Matt from Insurrection. I think Castlemania might be interested too. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you make them in bulk, you get them cheaper. But that's one of those things where if you see that shit in action, especially on stream somewhere, that's nuts. Imagine a Versus City Cab in a tournament where both people are battling and then you have a digital to digital 1200p output going to your stream. Like, that's some next-level shit right there. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I think it's remarkable. Okay, so anyways, go on, Nick. Jesus. Oh, I'm just going to go to the next question. Yeah. Uh, what about putting ferrite beads in RGB lines to get rid of jail bars? Um... The frequency is too high on, for ferrite beads. I, the frequency is too low for ferrite beads. Ferrite beads snuff out very high frequencies. Right. Like RF. Yeah. That's right. And great for sound, or good, they could be okay for sound stuff, certain sound stuffs. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, if like feedback oh, and stuff. Oh, no, always like, you always see the ferrite bead on the um, the link cable between the uh, 32x and the Genesis. So, so the ferrite beads on the actual cables are for them to pass FCC testing mm -hmm. when they because they have to test like the 32x when it's like connected up in its use case so they put the fry beads to, probably mainly as a precaution uh to make sure there's not enough rf energy leaking out through the the little cable uh so then they don't they can you know clear all the tests um, that's why it, you usually see those on stuff that's packaged with things like your ps4 usb cable is going to have a yes. pair I beat on it, but if you just buy one from like Amazon, it might not have a pair I beat on it because it doesn't have to be tested with the equipment. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I did I did some tests on when we made PS2 cables on putting ferrite beads in, and they didn't do shit because it was, you know, they, they roll off at 100 megahertz is when they start to, like, actually become resistive, so... Now there might be some there might be some utility in putting seri- a series in, uh, ferrite bead onto like the voltage rail input of say oh I don't know your Genesis VDP that's being kind of noisy anyways maybe you could try putting a certain particular value of ferrite bead on the VCC input pin and seeing if that might take the edge off things that's just an idea. Uh, uh, but the thing is, jail bars are at a frequency that's very. Well, yeah, it's you can much count lower, right? So, they, I mean, I, I agree. At, in general, ferrite beads at the board level are really good at um, kind of isolating your supplies and cause like snuffing out a lot of high frequency stuff. Um, but when well, you I'm start thinking. to get at the lower frequency things, you need to put something that acts at a much lower frequency with like an inductor. Right. But then you got to worry about peaking and stuff like that it's a it's a mess it's a it's a big big problem it's a big problem big, big problem to solve <laughs> we use I've those been worried about peaking every since i turned 30 sorry what wah, wah, wah. <laughs> jesus nick that was eight years ago have you not let it go we used those ferrite beads just to pass 60601 medical grade testing basically we had a perfectly working computer they're like, oh, well, you're getting some weird EMI in the medical range. And we slap those on, like, like six of them on. And they're like, all right, you pass now. And nothing changed other than the emissions. Like, so. All right, this one's for Voltar. Last roundtable, you talked about a 3D-printed top-loader multi-out panel replacement. Is that yes. part of your tease 3D projects? Not I really. I saw not... Mini Din, which is great. Ah! Not really. Um, sorry about that. I had an incident. Um, yes and no. It, that's not really a secret. I've got some really cool secret stuff that I'm working on. Neo Geo. But I can't say that the <laughs> Nintendo multi-out thing is... I'll provide that panel, but uh, I know Greg designed it, and it's looking really good. Yep. The only thing that we're waiting on is the real Phoenix has created some hard gold, not to be confused with uh, another process known as uh, Enig. Uh, he's created some hard gold multi-out connectors, and he's putting the, he's manually putting in the 45 bevel the 45-degree beveled edge. Uh, so as soon as he is done with those connectors, I believe the connectors will be released for free, and Greg will be releasing the multi-out 3D-printed panel for all of us to enjoy. Released. So thank the post those guys. Is, just go to the Retro RGB main page and scroll down a little bit. Greg's post is already there. It's available for sale on laserbear.net, and you can just download the file if you want. And that'll be one of the things featured in tomorrow's Retro Roundup. Wait, you can... You can find a place that was willing to do a hard gold plating but not willing to do a bevel edge? To my understanding, the size and the dimensions of it being so small that the fa- the factory wasn't equipped the way they panel... I think it's really, it really comes down to the way that they panelized those little multi-out boards. There so wasn't enough up. room. Well, they screwed up. Again, there was enough room for their tooling to get in there and mill that 45 out on the edge connectors. I, I would have panelized... Really? What is it? What do, what, do they put, what do they put on it? I didn't use a 45. Oh, what did you that. use? Just out of curiosity. Um, um, I have 40? to look at the fab drawing. Okay, we don't have to get into that. Fuck off. It's like at any rate. something. Okay, well, I'm 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 just I'm I'm just guessing. Um, but that's what that's what's going on. What's going on? 
What's going on? Zach, you already 32. consider a 32. Atari 7800 RGB mod? Yes, I was talking about that a couple of years ago, and that's still definitely on the table. Um, I think it's very possible uh, that that can happen with just a series. What the hell are you doing? Steve, trying, no one wants to see your porno tapes. Hey, it's that's Bob. Bob. God, hey, Bob. Jesus. How are you doing? I'm just trying to... Yeah, I don't know if that's in there. Okay, I can see. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. We really were confused. <laughs> now we have, we have full clarity. That was the easiest way for me to do that. Yeah, you could have just said it. Okay, but anyways. Uh, yeah, that's 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 still going to happen, uh, Bob. I hope in the future. I've got so many irons in the fire right now. It's been really tough for me on a sexual level and on a professional level. Well, luckily it's been fun. four years and you've sent me back all of my consoles except two. You're slowly going down the list of all those things that we've been working on. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's your fault. You told me to gut the goddamn Mark II. Don't even talk to me about the goddamn Mark No. Don't even talk to me. I was excited Jesus about that one. I just forgot. Stuff. You're right. I was allegedly stoned when you told me that and then forgot. My bad. But, uh, yeah. No, any word on that one? Anything you'd want to talk about publicly or just wait till the next one? Okay, so here's some cool shit, right? So, like, the VDP of the, Genesis, of the Master System. Hmm? It has some, it has some routing issues. It's got some routing issues, and it's particularly a fine pitch. I think it's one point two seven millimeters in pin pitch. So the idea is, what if we could get rid of some of this uh, digital clock noise uh, that's being produced by a couple of different things? One of the main things I believe it's being produced by, because I can replicate it, is the memory addressing, memory uh, memory pinging back and forth on the bus, and the way that uh, the way that where those signals are located proximal to the DAC on the chip too. So what if we desoldered the VDP from the master system and we effectively did what we did with the NES RGB. We just create a little board that breaks it out and moves it out of the way. So what if we created a board that literally picks the VDP up off of the board and it relocates it away from that high-speed oscillator, away from that the nasty digital memory stuff that couples right into it. And we could even have room to fit some stuff, a few little bypass caps in to mitigate some trace inductancies. And we could do some other things. That's something that's pretty cool that I'm working on right now. So from in an installation time. point of view, you would uh, treat it almost like an sRGB where you remove the VDP, you uh, put in the socket, and then you have your board where you put the VDP on your board and then socket that into, you know, well, put the pins on it so you just plug it into the socket, thereby moving it all away, having all the components you need right on your board, and then just connecting RGBS to the multi-out. That's exactly it. And I got this idea from an old, I think I was looking in the garage and I found a, I found a, was it a, a Centipede arcade PCB? Maybe it was Centipede, maybe it was something else. And it had, um, it had a, and a daughter board attached to the PCB. And the daughter board was nothing but, an, it was an analog video circuit for the, vi, for the, for the video coming off of the, off the, maybe this, this was a different Atari and I was looking, and I was like, "Well, that was really interesting." What I found even more interesting were the transistors that they were using, because they were just using some NPNs as uh, DC amplifiers. But I didn't think that the transistors that they were using had enough collector current to really drive the video out like they were doing. So it doesn't matter. The point is, is I was looking at this thing, and I'm like, "What if we could take the same idea, and we could apply it to the master system, and we could make video great again <laughs> by relocating the VDP?" So that we can solve most no, – no pins will ever have to be lifted because we're going to move the goddamn thing anyways. We're just moving it. 
And of course, there'll be circuitry on there to drive the video properly. And maybe, I thought about this, Bob, what if we got rid of the encoder? There's a couple of different encoder flavors on the master mm -hmm. system, but what if we got, what if we just pulled the encoder out altogether and we put the encoder proximal to the VDP on the same Yeah, that's board. what I was hoping you'd say. And and we reach and we use a modern encoder and we drive we can we can drive our encoded video we can encode it we can do composite ns video and we can do nice clear rgb i, I absolutely love that and for anybody who uh, who hasn't followed this discussion because this is like we're talking about a 6 year long discussion the short short version is it's impossible to have a master an ntsc master system without jail bars that is just impossible. And you might not notice it on a CRT. You'll definitely, without a doubt, notice it on a flat screen. Not even a good one. Um, and it's something that's been going back and forth forever. And Zach just seems to have cracked it. So I'm excited. I'm well, let me just let me just sort of recant what Bob said. Jail bars aren't 100% curable. But honestly, they can be, they, they can be about 90% curable. So equal to a Genesis state. one in the current fix, or a little better than that? Because the current Genesis one uh, fix is pretty fucking good. Slightly less okay. than that, but close, close. It's not as glaringly obvious, but you really have to look for jail bars. I mean, you really, and on a CRT, you're not going to see anything. So TN Fang really? brings up I mean, a good that's, question: that's... How how much more work would it entail to include the FM sound chip on this? That's now adding a whole other level of shit that that's just going to delay it forever, or is it one of those things where you just connect some traces and go? Well, the thing about the FM board is that it really doesn't interface to any of the bus of the VDP, so it would be nice if you could consolidate and put the sound stuff on there too, but they really don't talk to the same systems directly. Right. So it, that would that would be best to be its own board. But what would be even more fun because since the master system is so simple in terms of what it is, hell, it's a it's basically a two layer shitty silk screen phenolic board. It'd be really fun just to reroute and make a brand new master system board. And let me tell you something. I thought about doing that just for Ash, fun. Ash, you've started a thousand pro projects that haven't gotten finished that are way harder than that. How about you start it and we'll finish it for you. Get us the layout. Get us get us everything, and then we'll take it from there. What, I know you're. What did he propose? Hmm. What did he propose? Let's not talk about. Uh, what did I propose? No. What did, What are you re referencing? I just saying. What did he? Uh, Ash rebuilt a, a Dreamcast motherboard from scratch. And all you, all you need to do, well, all you need to do, it's fucking hard, but you could transplant the chips on it, and it works. Doing a Master System motherboard, while way harder than anything I could ever dream of doing, should be easy in comparison to that. Start it out, Ash. Well, I mean, what do you got? You got a, you got a, you got a Z80. You got a, you got some memory there. You got some, you got some glue logic. So there's going to be some 74 series chips on mm -hmm. there, and uh, you've got uh, a couple some I/O. How hard could it be? Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite line. Well, you got like a latch there for memory, so I mean. Did you, know. you read the interviews with the Sega developers on Two how weeks. they had to come up with those motherboards? And that um, my favorite was when the 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 motherboard developers got the mechanical design drawings for the actual Genesis console and said, "Make the board around this, and you can't move anything. Where it is, here's how you have to make Pretty the board." Cool. So yeah, that's uh, I, it's, you start to understand why the boards are so messed up. When you start to hear the stories like that, 
Like, you can't even move the cartridge port a millimeter in one direction. That's it. We're already putting them out to uh, plastic tooling. I, I do want to say one thing. I talked about this very briefly, and I'll talk about it for 10 mm -hmm. seconds. Uh, Ace is designing a nice... Uh, a nice little uh, new audio circuit for the Famicom, or he was for the OG Famicom, and I'm in the pro I was in the process, and I still am, of redesigning the. Uh, oh God, do I have one here that's available? I guess I don't, but I'm in the process of redesigning the power board. Oh yeah, I do. It's so funny. I've got Famicoms and shit laying all over the place, like in pieces. But I'm uh, I'm in the process of redesigning the uh, power board uh, with a uh, more efficient power so uh, power section. And uh, it's going to have video mixing and RGB and all that stuff uh, built right into here. And it, it requires no case modding, no case modding. So I know Tim Worthington offers something very similar to this, but this is a little different because it's more catered to people who are actually going to play these systems, in my opinion. Like, I'm So just that. to be clear, though, um, what you're talking about is a combination of Tim's <laughs> mod and your new board. You're not redoing the NES RGB from scratch, right? Oh, God, no. It's way too no. much work. I would like to. <laughs> I would like to, but um, I think we could do some things better. But uh, not saying that Tim doesn't do things great, but I think the kit could just be designed universally better so that it could accommodate this better, and the same kit could also accommodate even now the top-loading NES and the front-loading NES. That's awesome. I know Tim is not interested in touching it anymore, but I have some ideas. So I gotta uh, Tim worthless didn't call me. Ace, Ace, I see you in the chat. Contact me after this because there's two other people working on the audio circuit, not the power. Uh, if everybody got together, it would be even better. Because the one thing, I know I've talked about it to death, so I'll just make it super short. But um, the NES audio, if you pull all three points, you know the two different sound channels and then the Famicom expansion audio, the only way to really get the best quality and a true mix of all of them is to amplify those signals and then mix them after the amplification. I'm oversimplifying because I don't want to waste everybody's time, but that way you could have slight separation of the channels. So you have that right. fake stereo effect, which I like it at like 10% separated. So like if this is mono, I like it like this far apart. So you get a little bit, but not too much. And I, I It's all preference by the way, but the only way to do that is with a new and updated audio circuit. So I'm dying for somebody to tackle that and get it right. Well, I just want to say real quick also about Ace is, you know, the Sega Mega Amp and the Triple Bypass are awesome things. But Ace has done some things where you're with the Genesis Model 2 where rather than bypassing the whole goddamn thing, you're just replacing some components. And when you just replace a few components the Ace way, you get phenomenal. I mean phenomenal sound out of those shitty-ass sounding Model 2 Genesis. I'm really looking forward to hearing more yeah. from Ace about that. But he's... He's just swapping some components around now and not even doing a full bypass, and he's getting phenomenal audio quality out of the Model 2 Genocide. Yeah, I love to see Great shit like job, that. Even if, even if it's only beneficial from a research per point of view, there's so much learned from that, but it's obviously more beneficial than that. Well done, Ace. Okay, whatever. Go on, Nick, with more questions, please. This audience demands more of us. Uh, there hasn't been anything that I've seen tagged at us, and I think we could... Uh wrap up if we're, we're well i'll tell you good. does anyone have any more questions we'll give it uh two more minutes here if well, if we see any come through i'll answer them uh, um i'm still just envisioning a master system motherboard where you replace the rf jack with the 3d you know the 3d glasses port in the back with you know the everything brand new in its place instead so you just transplant the chips 
a killer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the same premise for what you see now with the like the Amiga and the Commodore sixty four. Like they're making entire board replacements where it's the complete board, but you just you supply the proprietary logic yep. that would be like the VDP and maybe the Z eighty, um, or the raw the BIOS. Yeah. Uh, Simbin said, has anyone successfully separated stereo audio on the Genesis 3 without an add-on board? Um, yeah, but I don't... I just wouldn't bother. You throw a triple bypass on that, and now it enables everything. It enables Sega CD from the Mega SD, enables 32X on the, the um, VA1 models. It's just... Uh, yeah, I, I just... Maybe, but I would I would just buy the triple bypass. Artemio asks, so what For do sure. you guys think about MD Fourier? Artemio, you missed us gushing about you at the beginning of this episode, apparently, but we all we're all <laughs> giant fans and Nick talked about it for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's uh, really awesome, man. And more important to me than the software is the documentation, frankly. Like yeah. nerd. <laughs> I just love seeing it laid out and explained and you know that it's built correctly, because you could easily release something like that and not know what's going on under the hood, and then I wouldn't uh, necessarily know whether I could trust it or not, you know. And like having the documentation and being able to read about, it, I think it's super important. So, absolutely, very much appreciated. I mean, obviously, I'm kidding because my entire thing is all the documentation on retro RGB. So yeah. <laughs> clearly, I feel the same yeah. way. <laughs> mm -hmm. There was one more, Zach. Okay. What are the cartridge uh -huh. services you're teasing? Oh, um, uh, okay. I guess I can go on that for just a second. So I am currently working on, and I hope to have this rolled out by next week, two different cartridge services. Um, one service is going to be a save preservation service. Let's say you have your copy of Final Fantasy III for the SNES or your copy of Legend of Zelda for the NES. For God's sakes, it's held at save for 30 years. It's your childhood save. You want to keep that. You can send your cartridge to me. I will preserve your save. I will install a new battery. I will load your save back onto the cart. I will send your cart back to you. And not only will I do that, I will also send you a digital copy of your save data so you can archive it and do with it at your own peril. Archive it, using it, use it in any sort of emulator that you want. That's one service. I've gotten a lot of requests for that, and I've really been working on that for about a year. The second service that I'm going to be offering is a lot of people really like my Famicom and Super Famicom cart patching videos on YouTube. Despite that, they don't have the tools or the skills to take their real cartridges and turn them into their sort of own original creations. So if you have a copy of Tales of Fantasia, for example, or you have a copy of Final Fantasy V for the Super Famicom that was never released, or if you have a copy of Final Fantasy III that was never released for the fam original Famicom, you can send them to me, and I will convert and dump your original ROMs from your original cartridges, and I will apply the patches that you specify that you want me to use. It's not a piracy service. I don't use hacked ROMs off the internet. I'm manipulating the data on your cartridge 
and only on your cartridge. That's fucking awesome. That's the other it's a hundred percent legal, and it's something that I think a lot of people would really absolutely love to get. Well done, sir. I have Thank a you. hilarious question here from Colin Gray. At the retro roundtable, do you guys have a stream schedule posted anywhere? <laughs> That's a good question. We, uh, sometimes we promise streams and then just back out of them uh, the day of, so definitely yeah, not. Sometimes um, we don't know we're streaming with less than 36 hours notice. So, Yeah, we try in the like past to, to do it like every two weeks, but I feel like that... That's a bit ambitious, especially right now with everything going on and it being summer. And um, we're trying at least once a month. And it, yeah, I mean, you really just have to follow us on Twitter because um, we have post about it. Um, let's see, we had Cosmic Katamari ask any thoughts on a revamped Saturn or DC power supply? The Dream Project died. I thought somebody else was picking that up. Uh, somebody did. I, I do have to say, though, after I posted that weekly podcast, I felt really, really stupid because I asked, I didn't understand what the purpose of a lot of those would be if your current power supply was working fine. And then I got a ton of replies saying, well, yeah, but what if you bought, like, a Japanese console and you're in Europe? It's infinitely easier to just replace that than deal with a step-down converter or something. So, yeah, that's... Ugh. I, I, I like those you know, projects, but I don't. I think that one company picked, a, picked it up and are selling their own version. Oh, hold on. Hang on, hang on. I, I, I don't want to... I know we're wanting to close this off, but I just want to ask. I'm so confused. I thought that thing was already paid for by a lot of people, and people were just waiting for it to come to arrive now did something happen yeah you I might clearly be don't listen you to the weekly podcast the, you missed <laughs> you must have missed the post on retro rgb <laughs> like i ever go to that godforsaken yeah, fucking website Sorry about i'll give you the short okay, short version power. for everybody else like zach that doesn't actually follow my work um what happened was that he he did one pre-order and everything was fine he goes to do pre-order number two and pays them pays them meaning the chinese manufacturer and then they stopped responding. And it got to the point where he even asked somebody who pre-ordered, who happened to be in China, to go and swing by, and they couldn't even get a hold of him. So what I think probably happened is that manufacturer went out of business, walked away, for whatever reason, yeah. and that they were probably a very small part of a bigger problem, and that's it. Everybody screwed it. Everybody lost their money. So it sucks, but I was very cautious and polite in my wording because... I get the. I don't know this guy at all, but I get the genuine impression that it wasn't really his fault. He did it once and it was perfect, so why wouldn't it be fine the second time? Just a really shitty thing that ended in everybody losing their money. Ian Cowell, who I noticed mentioned he's new to the the stream, um, asks: Would you recommend a top loader NES over a front loader that has blinking light win if you plan to mod later? Oh, yes, absolutely. First of all, the top loader is a lot easier to work on, first and foremost. Secondly, the blinking light win is nice, but you still have that goddamn Darth Vader death grip of a frickin' that you have to contend with. Uh, you, you you absolutely have to have the hands of He-Man to remove cards, even on the V2. Um, the top loader is just a nicer system, both in form factor, this is in my opinion, uh, and in size. Uh, you can stuff it on a shelf, or in a little spot in your entertainment center, probably far more easily than you can a big bulky front loader. Um, I, I would say go for the top loader, for sure. 
Heilong said, we missed a question from Thrasher about DC restoration on the RGB output of the Neo Geo. I have no idea where in the chat that is. There's a lot of stuff. So if you could DC restoration. Are you talking it. like, are you talking about black level restoration? I assume. Yeah, please repost real quick and then we'll, we'll get to yeah. yeah. Let's see. Folk, focus. Focus. Uh, focus. Maybe. As a novice to all your all of this, I've tried to learn as much as I can. I watch your vids nonstop, but there's so much. How do you manage it and keep up with all the new stuff? Uh, I would say oh. we barely Me, bitch. It's the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> watch the <laughs> weekly podcast. Really Everything's right in there. If yeah. you notice, I only talk about, like, old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, evidently, this the stream PSU thing was a big thing, and I didn't even know about it. So you can just tell how clearly up-to-date I am with the times. Uh, someone asked, uh, Voltar still planning on making a PVM troubleshooting and repair video? Yes, I am. I really am. Um, it's really going to take me some time, though. Um, the last video I did, which was the Game Boy, a, the GBA Consolizer, um, that took a lot out of me, and I know it was only 30 minutes, but guys, you have to understand, 30 minutes of video, especially when you're just not talking about a product, you're actually installing it and doing a very thorough it, technical video. You're talking about days of editing, days of shooting. It was great. I did not get phone calls from Zach for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> so much work, but... That's true. I was gone for at least a I was really gone for a week. Yeah, it was but, like a week. You know, I... I, I I know I people, and rightfully so, they just don't know because they don't do it, but I really labor over these videos, even though they're not the best quality in terms of their shots or audio quality. Getting these soldering shots in and just making sure everything is staged at exactly where it should be and in the, in the exact order it should be. Oh, my God, guys. I'm trying to get out a video a month. I'm doing the best I can. Maybe I'm going to shoot for two videos a month here in the next couple months, but um, the the PVM video... I don't half-ass my videos really, and that's going to command at least two weeks of shooting because it's going to that video might be well over two hours long. Yeah, fucking right. And, and I don't All do right. series; it's going to be two goddamn hours long. Let me just say that the, any questions you have from this moment forward, you just have to leave them in the comments on the video because there's no way we're gonna. There's like three more questions to get to already, so. Uh, we'll answer what's in the chat, but then everything else, if you could just leave on comments of the video, that'd be awesome. We'll answer them. I want to answer time. one more. I want to answer one more. No, I know we there are, are still are. ones to answer. I'm just this saying. Is, this is the there's one for you, Zach. Uh, Retro Gaming Arts wants to know if there's any mods that you can't do. Um, Bob, that's like asking you, <laughs> is it possible for you to go on Slim Fast and lose weight? It's just not going to happen. <laughs> I tried that a million years ago, and no, they're all sugar, and that fucking thing didn't help. I'm kidding. It wasn't Retro Gaming Arts. It's a, it's a nice person. <laughs> Did someone really ask that? That, if there's that was a legit question. Is there any bit of mod that you've tried yeah. that you could? No. <laughs> and that—that's not me being catty. I mean, just listen. I'm the. I have there been mods that I've tried to do in the past and that I failed. Absolutely. But I'm the sort of person that that reacts as if this. It's like this. Like if I fail, I get angry. I get mad, and then I get better. I was gonna say if I, I thought you were about to say then I beat my wife. <laughs> oh yeah, I get mad, I get I, I'm angry, and then I I beat my wife. <laughs> no, no. Somebody asked. Start I wanted throwing to, things. 
yeah, I started throwing things, including her. Uh, <laughs> somebody asked in the in the chat. Uh, let me just find it real quick here. Um, um, hold on one second. You guys wouldn't let me answer it. When I, okay, yeah, uh, Yoshiyuki asks, do op amp video buffers offer any improvement over discrete transistors like less distortion? Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. They are a million times better. Absolutely. Saturation yeah. and everything. You can get so much Linearity. closer to the rails. Yeah. Sorry, Steve, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad, glad you asked that question because the, like the that like PC engine mod or the component conversion circuit thing that's based on discrete transistors. Oh, the power waste. Oh. I call it a power generator. All that collector current that sits on it. Oh, it is a, just a nightmare. It's, it's like these days, yeah, like you, you have no points that are like the same price as like very close to transistors or like the THS stuff. They're basically op amps. And so, you've got, it's got integrate, it's got clamp integration, yeah. it's got all of this stuff that you yeah. want. That you yeah, don't they're have like, they're with. like high speed video op amps at like a third of the price. That's right. <laughs> Part of the real estate it takes on the board yeah. too. Oh, yeah. And they're just, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Discrete transistor stuff, I mean, is okay for certain scenarios, but it, I mean, if you can use the op amps, there, it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. We found, I found the question right. that we didn't understand, or we didn't get the whole question. Do Neo Geo MVS need capacitors before the THS seven three seven four for black level rest restoration? So I guess that would mean well, the videos in a in a consoleized scenario. Well, the video is already clamped if it's coming off the encoder. Hmm. So you Just need before to or after. There is is there an encoder on MVS? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you M say MVS? MVS? I'm thinking AES. Yeah. M, M is oh, a motherfucker. Absolutely. MVS. Okay. No, you've got to DC. You've got to DC restore the video. The video has to be DC restored. Okay. Why? Is off it just coming M off a DAC? Off the MVS? Well, yeah, it comes. It, well, it, it comes. It comes off the DAC, and then it goes into that. In, Let's see. You know what, Bob? That actually depends. What model of MVS? Oh, that's a fucking good one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This. Steve just made me think. What model? Because the way the weighted ladder works on some of those MVS revisions, if my memory serves me correctly, and the way the the way the output of the video is before it gets to the JAMA connector, it's a little different. So I would need to know what. Put it like, in the comments. Yeah, put it in the comments. MV1Z, MV1B. ICUP, which revision? <laughs> There's some cool shit coming out for MVS this year. You know, just AC couple it anyways, you know, just fucking put the shit on there. Shit. All right, boys, let's call it a night. Let's, uh, yeah, one quick thing before questions? we go. Please? It, it oh, seems go like, it seems like somehow the chat was getting messed up because I've seen a lot of people try to ask, or I apparently try to ask questions. Uh, it, uh, nothing showed up. We didn't remove anything. We didn't block it. And then a few minutes later, they say we didn't see the question. You know, I think you guys are just bad at reading the chat <laughs> because I saw all those really? questions. Really? I saw. I'm yeah. sorry. I did. Either we all are stupid, except for Steve, or there's something up with the chat. It's it's hard to queue up the questions. I mean, I, if I was going to do it, I would have like a notepad text file open, and I would just keep pasting them in there. And then there's got to be a. Th Thing where Nick said we gotta draw the line because shut it off. Then you could actually go through the queue. So if we missed anything, apologies. Nothing personal. Post it in the comments, and uh, we'll try to get to it. 
That's why That's Super right. Chat exists. <laughs> <sighs> All I right. just want more free Monster Energy drinks. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm only drinking noons now. That is. You're only drinking poons? You finally, like, right. evolved? They're a, um, they're like a seltzer tablet that has vitamins and minerals and a tiny bit of flavor. <laughs> um, so you don't have to drink boring water. Yeah. Oh, All right. My headset's dying. It's so good, guys. We'll see you later. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Later, guys. Yeah, have a good one. See you.